What is up everyone, Dalton here. Before we hop into this episode, I just have a couple quick announcements. First off, thank you for tuning in. The support on the podcast so far has been amazing. We're super excited about the community that we're building here with Move Local. So we cannot wait to continue to grow and meet more amazing people. If you guys aren't following us on Instagram, head over there and follow us, move.local as well as sign up for our newsletter if you want to make sure that you don't miss out on any new releases of episodes, of merchandise, of exciting news that we have coming up for the Move Local community. Head over there, sign up so you do not miss out. You can find that in the bio on Instagram or in the show notes below of this episode. And then lastly, guys, if you've liked or took value from any one of our episodes so far, please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you consume your podcast. Subscribe to Move Local and drop us a review and a rating. It really helps our podcast grow. It helps us get good feedback from you guys, what you want to hear more of, what you want us to improve on, so that we can continue to provide you with the best content possible and grow this amazing community. That is all I have for today. Enjoy this episode of Move Local. Welcome to the Move Local podcast. Our mission is to connect the movers and shakers of the Dundas and Hamilton area who pride themselves on growing a healthier and more connected community. We will do this through having conversations around health, education, entrepreneurship, and much more. We want to be part of helping you move confident, move free, and move local. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Move Local podcast brought to you by The Movement. My name is Dalton, and I'm coming at you guys with another episode this week. I'm running this one solo, but we do have um, an awesome guest on the show. I'm super excited to have Scott Myers on the show. He's a local runner. He's an account executive for Hoka. And I would assume if you were wearing Hoka's in the Hamilton Dundas area, you might be wearing shoes that Scott put in some stores around here. So um, I'm super excited to uh, have him on and talk about running and working with Hoka and all that good stuff. So Scott, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Am I am I right by saying that with the shoe thing? Like you service a, most of the the most of the places around yeah, here. I think that's probably accurate. Yeah. If, uh, yeah. Uh, definitely when. I'm out in the wild and I see a pair of hogas on someone. You, I wonder where they, where they, they bought it. Where they came from. Yeah. yeah, and I know we were talking before, and like especially in Dundas, because I know at uh, at Tento and they have mm-hmm. a lot of you. You've hooked them up with a lot of the Hoka shoes. Yeah, they're a big supporter of the brands. Yeah, Pete and Paul are great. Paul was a former guest on the podcast early on in the mm-hmm. in the uh, Move Local day, so you guys could check that one out. But. Um, Scott, I'd love to start off with like just diving into running specifically and kind of how that became part of your life. And has it always been something that you've done? Did you pick it up later on in your your, your days? What does that look like? Um, well, I dabbled a little bit in running. Uh, I never competed in track or cross country in high school or anything. Uh, but then I was in the military for a total of nine years. And uh, towards the end of that, uh, one of my running, one of my army friends, um, told me that his dad ran marathons and I didn't know that that was something that the average person did. I thought marathons were something that happened every four years at the Olympics. Right. And it was kind of the, uh, only for the elites. And, uh, so we said, what, why don't we try, uh, running a marathon? So we signed up for the Marine Corps marathon in, uh, Washington DC. And, uh, I actually trained for it and he did not. <laughs> um, and his, uh, I finished about an hour ahead of him, but he said, think about all the extra hours you suffered during training. 
Um, so the marathon was really tough. And then um, a, a friend of mine who ran ultra marathon suggested that uh, if I ran a 50K, it would make standard marathon distance seem easier, which seemed like a bit of a, it seemed logical at the time. So yeah, I decided. Seem, that seemed logical to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I signed up for 50K and it went really horribly. <laughs> um, so I decided I had to try that distance again. And uh, so I, I did. And uh, that's kind of when I got hooked was sort of my fifth, my second 50K. And yeah. Yeah. That was uh, back in the late 90s, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, when was that? So that was a while That was a while back. It's so funny how that, like, slippery slope starts to happen. Mm. You know, you're like, well, it's usually, like, for me, it started with, like, a half marathon. Then you're like, well, try a marathon. And then, honestly, for myself, I never thought I would do any ultra distance. And I ended up doing a 50K, my first 50K just recently. So it's so, yeah. it's so funny how, like, it just slowly starts to, like, creep. And then the ultra world can go on for yeah. ever, I feel like, in terms of distances. For sure. And, uh you know, I, I know we had this this conversation uh, a while ago, but uh, I, I do think that the marathon is probably the toughest distance out there because it's really kind of that combination of speed and uh, if, if you're trying to race it for, for uh, the fastest possible time, it's a combination of speed and distance, whereas like a 50K or 50 miler, it's, you just have to be more uh, patient, I guess. Mm, that's and, a good point. Uh, yeah, so... When you, so you get hooked, what does that, what did that look like then? When you say you get hooked, like, were you just like off to the races in terms of running? Was it more in the ultra space? Did you do more marathons? What did that look like? Um, mostly ultra marathons. Um, I found it was just a different community. It was a little bit more low key. No one was concerned with personal bests or, um, you know, it's, it's a very welcoming, um, relaxed community. Uh, I worked in the industry. I was I worked at retail at the time, and um, doing ultras was kind of getting like still being able to enjoy the passion of running, but getting away from kind of the mainstream of the half marathon, marathon, the road running scene. So it was kind mm-hmm. of like a, a nice um, a mix of of those two worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's funny, you know now. I feel like more people are aware of the ultra marathon space than mm-hmm. ever before. And I think that there's probably a lot of reasons why that is just even just social media and YouTube and like the kind of access to information. But it seems like that once small, not really known about community is starting to become very much more in the mainstream. Would that be fair to say you think? Yeah, I think so. Like I, Back uh, when I started, there was no really there was no such thing as a professional ultramarathoner. Whereas now that is sort of a thing, and it's not um, you know they're not making NBA uh, basketball player salaries, but uh, they're people can make a living out of uh, out of it. Whereas that didn't exist. Like you were lucky to um, win a free pair of shoes or something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and Hoka definitely has been in that space of uh, uh, within that realm of professional ultra marathoning uh, like the athletes that are in yeah, exactly. yeah 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 and and um yeah i definitely want to touch on hoka and kind of how you got got into that but i know like you've you know you ran western states which is like a very iconic race in the ultra the ultra world and like I'd, I'd just love to hear a little bit about how that, you know, experience was for you. I think you, you did it t- twice, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So how, how was like being able to participate in something that's 
very well known, you know, in the ultra space? Um, well, the guy who tricked me into doing ultras in the first place, Jeff Shepard um, from, from Burlington, he um, had done Western States and I've always been a bit of a, a history buff and uh, appreciate where um, how things evolved to be where they are. And mm -hmm. Western States was the first 100 miler um, and really kind of established ultramarathon distance and trail running as um, as an event and uh, he had he had completed it so it was a, a bit of a dream of mine to do it as well and in order to run western states you have to um, run a qualifying time then you have to put in for a lottery and then you have to do uh, you have to volunteer somehow back and, and give back to the uh, the trail or the ultra running community um, so you definitely have to jump through a lot of hoops to get into it. But uh, so I put in in um, uh, for the 2001 event and uh, was successful. I managed to get in uh, back then. It was a lot easier to get into than it is now. I had about I think I had about a 45 percent chance of getting in. Um, and that was my first 100 miler and uh, didn't go as planned. It was, uh, honestly, I had no business really doing it. I was so inexperienced at the time. And, um, but it was a lot of fun. It was kind of bittersweet finishing. It was my first 100 miler. It was, you know, the 100 miler. Yeah. You know, kind of the, the Boston Marathon of ultra marathons, if you will. And, um, but I always felt like there was some unfinished business there and I had to go back and, and do it. So uh, every year you'd put your, um, if you had a qualifier, you put your name in for the lottery, knowing that you probably won't get in. And uh, in 2013, my name was drawn. Um, so I ran it again in 2014. So it was a 13-year yeah. lapse between the two. Um, and that I trained very, I was very focused. I knew a lot more about uh, ultra marathons and that particular course and train and had an amazing uh pacers and crew so um yeah everything went perfectly and uh yeah kind of checked <laughs> checked the boxes yeah, the exactly. unfinished Resolved. business was exactly. settled yeah. yeah that's cool remind me where western states is again so it's in northern california and uh tahoe Val uh lake tahoe area mm -hmm. um uh they it's olympic valley is what they call it now okay yeah yeah, I knew it. I thought that's what I knew it was in like California. Yeah, area. so Northern yeah. California. Yeah, um, yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's it's awesome that you got to go back and wrap that up. I feel like that's probably a good a good feeling and another great experience in the space. Yeah, um, and I know you've also because I've talked. I know Reed has run it. Like he just recently mm -hmm. ran it, yep. and I I remember. Were you saying you were helping him out a little bit? Like was was uh, that? No, I wouldn't claim that. Okay. I, I don't know how what kind of help I could. Give read, in terms of just back. conversations about the experience yeah, yeah yeah exactly and i yeah. i go back uh, a ways with reed um from the time he was a part-time employee at a running room in guelph yeah that's funny because i remember talking to him and he brought i remember him bringing that up and then i was looking on your instagram before we had the conversation and it was uh some pictures of like bef like when you first ran western states and like mm. then the most recent one and there was a shirt i think you had a running room shirt on yeah and then you kind of just mentioned you worked there right yeah. so that's kind of funny the connection there yeah that was my first job uh in the industry was managing a running room and then uh i went to work for a different uh brand and met reed at that point mm. 
and uh, provided him with a bit of product to get uh, get him started. Yeah, and that's awesome. Yeah, so. Yeah, the running community here is so, so small, but so like tight. It's cool. Mm-hmm. It's cool to hear that. Um, yeah, on that note, like obviously being in the running retail game from a early age or early mm-hmm. time in your career, like when did Hoka become part of like what you do? Um, well, it's funny. I So I worked for the swoosh before mm-hmm. and um, I was in Vancouver and uh, Gary Robbins of Barkley Marathon yeah. kind of notoriety. He uh, he was managing a running store in, in North Van and I knew Gary a little bit and uh, we were chatting on the sales floor and at the time that was when minimalism was the thing right. and uh, including um, like Nike was a major player in that whole minimalism movement with their Nike free. And uh, Gary showed me a pair of these shoes called Hoka that were uh, out of Europe at the time. And uh, they were completely the opposite of what everything else in the marketplace was. Like they were super thick and and to the point where I thought like, are are you just not going to roll your ankle just by putting these things on? Um, So Gary, gave me his pair to just take for a little spin around the block. And I was surprised at how stable they were. Uh, but I also thought, well, this poor brand isn't, they're completely off trend. Right. They're not going to be around for very long. What and, year was this? Uh, that was about uh, 2010, 2011. Okay. So not that long ago. Yeah. And then um, I did a, a mountain race in Utah and the following year and saw a ton probably a third of the field was wearing these uh, hoka shoes and i was like holy shit like what's are we allowed to yeah you're good okay um uh, there's some ultra marathoners i think saw immediately that there's a benefit when you're running 50 miles or 100 miles to more cushioning and that uh um so that was that was really kind of first time I realized okay this this could be uh, an actual um, player in, in the in the category and then uh, eventually came to start working for the brand uh, it will be four years in April cool and uh, yeah I'd say the last two to three years we've seen really significant growth particularly in uh, Canada mm-hmm. um, so to the point where before I used to have to explain to everybody what Hoka was and now um, you know there's that there is some brand recognition in, in a way that there wasn't earlier. Yeah, totally. It's funny. I didn't know that whole Gary Robbins uh, story. Mm-hmm. And like me being new to the running space and ultra space, I've binged every probably mm-hmm. YouTube video you could. And I he has a great YouTube documentary about the, I forget the name of it, but uh, about the, the Berkeley Marathon that he did. It's outstanding. Mm-hmm. If you guys are interested in learning about what ultra running could be or some some good storytelling around it he has an amazing documentary on youtube that you should check out um but that's funny that that's kind of what got you into Mm -hmm. the awareness of hoka and um i would agree like again i'm new to the running space but i feel like now more than ever hoka is just everywhere and more people are definitely aware of it as a brand um when I first started running, I, I remember like seeing it here and there. And then mm-hmm. now it's like, I feel, especially around here, a lot of people <laughs> are just wearing, wearing Hoka's. And I, I had a pair, like my first actual road shoes was a pair of the Hoka Rincon twos mm. that I, that I really enjoyed running in. So 
um, it's funny to see like, what do you think led to the development of that for the brand? Like why, why do you feel like it's taken off so much? In the last well, like years? I said, I think it originally started out just because, um, you know, the idea was more cushioning is better. And the brand was started by two um, mountain runners who would do long sustained downhills and they just wanted more cushioning underfoot. So that's where they kind of developed, they cobbled their own prototypes of these uh, shoes specifically for maximal cushioning. Um, and then, um, you know, like I said, at the, <laughs> there was, have you read the book uh, Born to Run? I have. Yeah. So I remember at the time, like being in the industry, like we, we joked about like how this is the book that's going to put us all out of jobs. Right. Because everyone going to start running like with no shoes exactly. on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it was a thing for a while. And there are still some people who do like co- go completely unshod. Um, so, I mean, that was that was the trend at the time. So maximum cushioning was just kind of completely uh, off script. And then um, but there's. A legitimacy to it and it's funny like when I uh, again just with the brand recognition I remember starting to work at Hoka and I called my parents and I said you know I'm, I'm gonna work for this brand called you've never heard of it before it's called Hoka and my mom said oh no we all we know Hoka all of our friends wear it because at the time like a lot of older people right, right, liked right, right. that that maximal cushioning as well but I think one of the things that Hoka's done really well and it's a credit to uh, a credit to the brand is that they haven't, we haven't just hung our hat on maximal cushioning. We do have a lot of performance uh, product as well. Mm. And um, we have, most of our, our shoes are relatively low drop for four millimeter or five millimeter uh, compared to, you know, back in the day when everything was t- 10, 12 millimeters. Um, but uh, we, we have some high stack product like the Bondi and we also have some really low stack product. And um, so like we really kind of, we, we haven't just represented one thing. Um, we're still probably most closely associated as that maximal cushioning brand, mm-hmm. but um, we can also compete it at the, both on trail and road um, with, with great, uh, training and race day product as well. Yeah. Um, what is like, what is your role specifically within Hoka and then how has that progressed over the years? Has it changed since Mm. you first joined the company? Um, well in Canada as a subsidiary to a major multinational company, we do tend to wear, um, have to wear multiple hats. Um, so, Primarily, I'm in uh, sales and support a lot of marketing activities as well with uh, with retailers, grassroots events, and that kind of thing. Um, my territory is pretty large. I cover, yeah, I remember you telling me that. I'm like, man, these guys all over the place. Yeah, Saskatchewan <laughs> to Newfoundland. <laughs> yeah, and I won't claim to, that I cover it very well, um, but uh, most of the business is Ontario and uh, and Quebec. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's essentially just working with retailers and uh, planning their future assortments, managing the flow of goods into their stores, helping them with driving sell-through of, of product um, with the support of, uh, we have some field experience reps, um, so tech reps who are out engaging with retail staff and cool. uh, and consumers and um, yeah. So, and everything in, in between. So. Yeah. So multiple hats going on there, for sure. which is always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the one big thing that you see in a lot of like the, in most brand 
you know, brands that are providing goods to, to runners or athletes is like, you know, starting to have like Hoka sponsored athletes mm. or, or like an athlete team, you know, um, is that something that Hoka does? Do they work with like, um, like an athlete team or anything like that? So we do have, um, an athlete team called the Hoka Flyers. Cool. Um, and our, uh, the origin of her name, Hoka One One, which was the original name, um, is loosely translated from Maori. Maori, I'm sorry. Um, it's a tough one. I know. Um, to be fly over the earth. Oh, cool. Um, and so we really kind of double down on that whole concept of, of uh, flying. And uh, so we have a team of uh, brand ambassadors called the Flyers um, who are uh, re- represent uh, right across the country, really. Yeah. Um, multiple disciplines. Um, so trail, track, triathlon. Um, so that's one of the programs that, uh, that we have. And then, um, uh, yeah, and then we have just relationships with, uh, individuals at various, uh, retailers who we partner with. So. Yeah, that's cool. I know like, uh, in London, cause I used to grow, I used to mm-hmm. be, I used to live in London. Mm-hmm. They have like back roads there mm-hmm. and I know that is that like a Hoka relationship with them, correct? Is that kind of what you're referring to? Like. Yeah, so we have a special partnership with with uh, Backroads, and one of the things that we do as far as um, marketing with our retailers is we we don't have a top down approach really. We want the retailers to tell us what works best for them. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, so it, it gives allows them to um, be creative and and um, not have to you know align with our marketing goals. It allows them to sort of dictate what works best for them. So we do have a relationship with uh, Backroads who um, has a, uh, a team of, of 10 runners, again, multidisciplined. And um, uh, so we support them with with, uh, with product and uh, co-branding. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, I've seen some of their stuff. It's really cool. They, they got a really cool spot too out there. They um, do. With what, yeah. they, with what they do. I like that idea of like allowing the retailers to have a little freedom in like how they market the product. I know we, you know, in past conversations and talked about the importance of keeping the roots of running, um, you know, the culture that really brought running onto the scene and that everyone likes, especially in the ultra space. I know we were talking about how like that feel that you get at those events is what we want to keep. Right. And sometimes, you know, you can see with, uh, with when there's money comes into play and all those things start to happen, you can see the shift in, in, um, in almost like marketing in a sense. And I think giving control to like the grassroots can, can really probably help maybe keep some of that like trueness to why people are running. And it's not just like about pros, even though that's part of it, you know, it kind of keeps that grassroots is pretty cool. Yeah. And I think what's interesting too, in the, the space of like community running is that, uh, before, like even 10, 15 years ago, a lot of the running groups were, um, the communities were based around uh, a retailer, a local retailer, oftentimes. Um, whereas now it seems to be like more, a little bit more organic and you have these uh, run clubs or run crews that um, kind of exist, I'd say, instead of galvanizing around retailer, they were like kind of galvanized around um social media channel Mm -hmm. and um you definitely see that a lot in 
the Hamilton, Dundas uh, area. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, but yeah, no, I totally think you're right that. Yeah, and I mean Hamilton, and Dundas area is like such a strong running community. Like, mm -hmm. there's so many good groups here that that really you know, want to make running accessible to everyone. And I think it's cool because you have the, the wide varieties of levels of, of groups. But I've been to a couple of the different groups. And even if the, you're running with a higher level group, they're so welcoming and open to having you there and be part of it. And you don't, at least in my experience, I haven't felt like excluded from mm -hmm. participating. Um, and I think that's the cool thing. And there's like a vibe for every different person, yeah, totally. you know, which I think is so, which is so key because, the more people that are running, the more people that are involved, the more that like, community aspect stays the, the focus versus mm -hmm. creeping into like that elite status, which again, I think there's a place for that, mm -hmm. but I'm a big community guy. So I think it's awesome that Hamilton really like portrays that. Well, not only that, but the, the different run crews or communities, they, they also cooperate a lot. Yeah. That, so they cross they collaborate totally. They, um, they'll, um, Um, yeah, so they, uh, it's, it's interesting, like just how they, uh, how close, how tight knit they are and speaks to, um, just the, the community at, at large. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I want to talk about these sweet shoes that we have here on the table. Sure. Um, I know, so you, before I was running my 50 K we had met up and we were talking a little bit. And you had hooked me up with a pair of the uh, the speed goats, the mm -hmm. new ones, which I wore in my 50k, which were awesome. I've really really enjoyed the shoe. Um, and the one thing that I was super happy with is I didn't I ran that whole 50k and I didn't have any like blisters or anything like that. And like the conditions were really good in terms of like my feet didn't get wet or anything. But that was the one thing I had trouble with in other shoes mm -hmm. where I was running longer distances and I was starting to get some blisters. And for whatever reason. The, the speed goats that I wore that didn't happen so I was super impressed with that and I hadn't really worn them too much before I raced because mm -hmm. like I had got them from you and I wore them probably on a couple long runs but um, I really enjoyed that shoe and I know you got two other shoes here that are in the trail running realm that are a little bit different um, so yeah take me through like what we got here sure so this obviously isn't uh, the best on like visual I'll take some pictures <laughs> and we can show it okay. there's the uh, the uh, two new styles, so the Tecton X uh, 2. So whenever Hoki uses the um, X uh, nomenclature in product, it, it means that it's a plated um, shoe. So either carbon plate or uh, PBAX plate, so more of a plastic plate. Um, so the Tecton X is, um, the, the, let me back up a little bit. The Carbon X um, was one of the original carbon plated shoes out in the marketplace. And obviously that it's completely revolutionized. I was going to uh, say that's taken off in the running world over the last little while for sure. Yeah, especially on the the performance, uh, the higher performance um, level, and the Tecton X was um, a different take. So it's a, a carbon plated trail shoe. Um, yeah. One of the, one of the things that's challenging with a carbon plate, obviously, is they're very stiff by by design, and um, so you would think that by putting a carbon plate into a trail shoe, it would be a bit of an ankle breaker because you just wouldn't have any flexibility within the shoe to navigate more technical terrain like rocks and roots. But um, the Tecton X actually uses two parallel plates that run along the length of the shoe. 
Um, so they still have that, that they provide that snappiness that you expect from a carbon plate, but still give you some, um, torsional flexibility within the shoe. So Interesting, yeah. you can, um, they're, they're actually very, uh, very nimble. Um, so we currently have the carb, the Tecton X on the marketplace now, and, uh, the shoe, uh, that I, I brought in is the next version, which will be coming in, uh, late next spring. Oh, cool. Um, so this is like one that's coming up. Yeah. So yeah. this isn't on the, the market just yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one is the Zanal 2, which is um, a... Yeah, I like the, these. Looks, these look fast. Yeah. And I think it's a big improvement too. We have a shoe called the Torrent, yeah. um, which is our entry level, uh, or from a price point, our entry level trail shoe. Uh, and it's 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 great product and um, retails at 155 and um, But it's a... There's a lot of value in that shoe, mm. and uh, the Zanal is a um, just a little bit more of a finely tuned uh, upgrade to the the Torrent, if you will. Um, but the uh, the Zanal two that that I brought in um, is a big departure. It's it's lighter. Um, it has a uh, sock like yeah. upper. Um, it, it's going to provide you with a ton of traction, super fast, um, but uh, still provide lots of uh, cushioning. Yeah, it's interesting. I never knew that like a carbon plate in a trail shoe was a thing. I mean, that might just be my ignorance to the running world shoe game, but that's pretty cool that that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not common. There are other vendors that that uh, have a similar take, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say our approach is is pretty unique. Um, and uh, and yeah, the idea is that uh, you know just because you're on trail, you still want performance. Of course. And uh, I actually find that because it isn't a fully plated shoe, typically I don't recommend that you you that someone runs in a, a full plate ever like every day of the week. But uh, with this one, I think you could pretty much get away with it because it's a little bit less aggressive, just because um, it's it's not a a complete plate in the base of the shoe. Yeah, I really I like this. What is this one called again? This is an all two. Yeah. This is a nice shoe. Mm. This is sick. I feel like I would have been able to hit my five hour ultra marathon goal if I had one of those bad boys. What's the difference between like the speed goat and this? Then would you say the speed goat is a great all rounder? Yeah. Um, the speed goat is sort of your all season tires of our trail line in some ways. And but, I can get that vibe from like yeah. wearing them for sure. Yeah, you can take them. I mean. They're certainly capable of going up to uh, uh, 100 miles, um, but they're also light enough that you can still use them for shorter stuff. So if someone's doing a 5K, 10K, 25K uh, trail race, they're not, um, that extra cushioning isn't so much at the expense of of weight that, uh, um, yeah. So it's very versatile, um, whereas, some of this product is a little bit more um like like niche down yeah. like you're gonna wear this to race something that's a little probably not as long and you want to go a little faster yeah. is that more of yeah like, like some people i could see some crazy people doing a hundred miler in this and all that's probably not a good idea for the most people yeah um same thing with the tecton x those are right. probably um you know you're probably topping out at 50k distance at the most this is an all i honestly think it's probably better suited for up to 25k yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm again, I'm so new to the the running world that like I never really I was ignorant to the shoe game until I started like I bought my first pair of Hoka's. Honestly, it was the first real running shoe that I had and then mm-hmm. I like opened up my eyes to mm-hmm. the whole new world, which was part of why I didn't want to like dive in because i'm like oh man i'm gonna want to spend so much money on all these shoes but now that i'm in it i'm like oh this is cool that you can have like kind of different different options so um that's that's sweet um one thing i wanted to ask you before we dived into like a couple rapid fire questions is like what is there anything you're like super excited about heading into 2023 with with like hoka and the brand that you guys got coming up or more of just the same kind of thing with the growth of the company um well we, we have some really exciting um, performance product coming out. Like we'll still continue to do our our big volume drivers like the Bondi and the Clifton that are more um, more maximal, on the side more maximal cushioning. Um, but we have the Rocket X2 coming up, which is a uh, carbon plated super shoe with oh. advanced foam. So that's super exciting. Um, we have a... Uh, a We've had huge success with the mock over the last couple of years. Um, the last two editions have been a huge um, addition to the line. It's one of our top performing styles now. Yeah, I've wanted to try those. I've been meaning to get a pair. The yeah. Mach fours was the most recent. Uh, we, yeah, we have the Mach five on the market now. Oh, okay. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So each the, there was a big upgrade from the Mach three to the Mach four, and then the Mach five is a little bit more iter- iterative, but um, the uh it yeah it's a it's a lightweight uh tempo trainer if you will cool um and then uh we'll have a kind of a high-tuned version of that as well coming out next year so yeah lots of lots of stuff in really on the performance side of things as well as both of these products is so we have performance coming out um in both road and trail styles yeah that's exciting and that's like you 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 see a lot more of that in the shoe space like you're seeing everyone trying to optimize it's always trying to optimize performance so it's mm-hmm. it's cool that to have you guys continue to like launch in that realm but like you said i i also like the fact that you're like hey we have these other products that are you know range from anyone who just wants to walk versus people who want to try to perform at the highest level i i, I love that spectrum yeah. um, and that's the thing i love about pete and paul over at tento and like mm-hmm. they they I, you know how many people I, I just had a client actually come in here with a pair of uh her first, first pair of Hoka's that she got from oh, over okay. there. And she was like through the roof about the shoes. And like, so it's cool to see like the the range of people that it can impact and help, which mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm assuming that's always the goal when it comes to like these products, right? It's like you want to help people perform at their best, whatever that is to them. Yeah, totally. And I think that, um, you know, one of the really rewarding things working for the brand has been that uh, there's people who have said that, uh, because of the maximal approach to some of our more iconic uh, franchises, they have said that uh, they've been allowed to continue to run or, or start running again. Um, so it's 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 really rewarding to hear those stories where it's mm-hmm. like it has actually uh, impacted people's ability to uh, to to get out there and. Uh, participate in the sport yeah i love it um okay a couple rapid fire questions for you um favorite one of your favorite local coffee shops hmm can be hamilton dundas i know it's an unfair question but our default is uh detour yeah um so you can't go wrong with detour it's yeah so good um here's another unfair one favorite one of your favorite or maybe most or more recently frequented restaurants in the area namu 
Yes, <laughs> Namu is my one of my f- favorites. Yeah, yeah. I I always tell anyone who like is new to the area or is asking like, hey, where should I go? Mm-hmm. Namu is the spot. Namu is great, but I mean, there's there's an embarrassment of, of uh, riches in Danda, so the ton. Hamna, the sushi place. Oh, that's a new that's a new, new place, yeah. right? Yeah, I've been meaning to actually reach out to them because. Uh, I've heard really good things about them. We had it the other night, and it's just like uh, I had the sashimi, and it's like candy. Yeah, and, an, and another – so um, Rebecca, who is the owner of um, Pinbones in town, mm-hmm. yep. she I'm pretty sure she supplies the the oh, pro, the fish really? for them, no way. which is cool. Um, mm. And we had her on the podcast uh, a while back, so I need to reach out to them. Um, but, yeah, that's cool. What would be one of your like favorite local trails to get into? Well, again, like, there's an embarrassment of riches here. So, um, I, I, that, Bruce Trail has always been my my thing. I like uh, technical uh, trail, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, and then obviously like Dundas Valley. Yeah, there's just can't go wrong. Nah, there's there's yeah. a ton. I know. I'm still trying to learn all the names because again, I'm more even more recently newer to like trail running. So mm-hmm. Don always takes me out and. At first, he was, like, showing me all around. I'm like, dude, I need to get out here. Now that you've shown me, I need to get out on my own and, like, get lost a little bit and try to figure out where I am and what trails are, are what. And so I've started to learn a little bit more of them on my own now. I'm pretty ignorant. I don't even – I know some of the names. You're like, this is a cool section. I'm just going to run yeah, that exactly. section. Yeah. Um, who would be someone that you think would be good for us to have on the podcast? Do you have any any ideas of someone? Hmm. Let me think about that. Yeah, that's fair. It's always one people are like, yeah, let me get back to you. So, mm-hmm. um, Actually, last question. I do qu- have someone in mind. But Go ahead. I'll, you can tell me after if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Um, last question I'd like to ask everyone is like, what does Move Local mean to you? Hmm, I think, I think that, um, you know, just kind of germane to the conversation that we were just having, I think that... Uh, um, in a community like Dundas, there it's really cool. Like how there, it's a very um, supportive um, community of one another's business. So you're talking about like how um, you support Tentoin and vice versa, yeah. and then how Hamna buys their fish from uh, Pinhole and and so on. Um, so I think that that is very a very cool aspect of this community and then specifically um to i guess the to, to running it's, it's sort of the same thing where you just have we, we, like we were talking about earlier like how you have these run clubs that don't exist in competition with one another they're all um supportive and you'll see social media posts where they have five different five lo- logos from different uh run communities uh within within the area and no one really it's not tribal it's it's sort of kind of the the um the opposite of that where it's it's really you know people might say they belong to this one or that but um it really it's just um you know you can cross pollinate throughout these these various uh, communities within within the larger communities. So. Yeah, yeah, totally and you know the the reason we started this podcast was because we saw when we first got here, we're like, oh, there's a lot of 
cool businesses and Dundas mm-hmm. that are have that community feel that we're like, oh, this place supports this place and supports this place. And there's mm-hmm. so many stories amongst like the businesses and then, you know, the run groups. And there's just a lot of that cool community feel going on. So um, the more and more we do these interviews, the more I'm always like, oh, here's another connection. Like, oh, yeah. you know, like Scott talked to Reed or New Reed when he's, you know, and there's always just like so much connection, which is the cool part mm-hmm. um, about that, about the podcast. So I, I love that, uh, that you hit on that. Um, is there a place people can go? Like, where would you send people in terms of like, if they want to, I mean, I guess you can kind of get Hoka product at most running stores, but is there anywhere you would want to like send people if they're interested in learning more about Hoka? Um, I mean, I would say support your local retailer as much as possible. Yeah. And, um, we have obviously Tentoin in town here as well yeah. as Runner's Den yeah. in Westdale. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can Google Hoka, and I'm sure you'll you'll find their website, you'll find their Instagram. But yeah, support the local, the local retailers. Um, we have great relationships with both Runners Den and Tento, mm-hmm. and so if you guys are in the area looking, you know, for shoes in general, but if you're looking for Hoka's, like, go check them out. Um, Scott, thanks so much for your time. I yeah, really appreciate it. Me.